Global Capital Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. I'm Ralph Sinclair and I'm the editor of Global Capital. And I'm John Hay, the Corporate Finance and Sustainability Editor. And I'm Lewis McClellan, the Sovereign Supranationals and Agencies Editor. This podcast will take you each week through some of the biggest and most interesting stories you need to know about for your week ahead. And if you want to read more about what we're discussing today, please go to globalcapital.com. And if you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. A new episode is out every Friday afternoon and we publish it to all the major platforms. So if you search for Global Capital, we should miraculously appear. We're turning our attention this week to what's been going on in Frankfurt. On Thursday, the ECB's Governing Council changed its forward guidance for its monetary policy following the conclusion of a strategic review earlier this month. But what does it mean for bond issuers and investors long term? The ECB now has what it calls a symmetric inflation target of 2% over the medium term. Symmetric referring to the fact that the ECB will respond to inflation when it is either too high or too low. The inflation target used to be sufficiently close to or below 2%. Yesterday, the ECB added, one imagines for clarity, that in support of its symmetric 2% inflation target and in line with its monetary policy strategy, the Governing Council expects the key ECB interest rates to remain at their present or lower levels until it sees inflation reaching 2%, well ahead of its projection horizon, and durably for the rest of the projection horizon. And it judges that realised progress in underlying inflation is sufficiently advanced to be consistent with inflation stabilising at 2% over the medium term. This may also imply a transitory period in which inflation is moderately above target. Lewis, what does that mean about interest rates in the Eurozone? And can you possibly express that in many fewer words than the ECB has? Yeah, well, yes, they, they've certainly made a bit of a meal of this guidance, but it's essentially uh, we're not going to see a rate hike for quite a long time. The projection horizon that they're referring to is uh, the end of 2023 um, for inflation to uh, reach 2% well ahead of that. Lagarde clarified she's talking about roughly halfway through the period, so we're probably looking at summer 2022, uh, and then they won't actually act on it until it, it's proved to be sustainable or durable. Um, that seems pretty unlikely. The, the ECB's own forecast for 2022 or 1.4% inflation, 2023 should be 1.5%. Uh, the idea of it uh, exceeding 2% and remaining there uh, without some quite serious change in, in the situation is very, very unlikely. So no interest rate hikes for quite a long time. Is and, of course, and of course, this is a 2%, you know, over the medium term. So it would have to be, given the history of inflation in the Eurozone, it would have to be quite a way above 2% for quite a long time. Well, they've said that they're not doing what the Federal Reserve is doing. The Federal Reserve has changed to pursue flexible average inflation targeting, uh, which means that uh, they want to bring the long-term average up to their target, so they'll they'll let it run, run ahead of that. Um, the ECB is not going to do that. They say that uh, any deviation above or below 2% is equally undesirable, but uh, to I guess they'll, they'll let it go above 2%, um, just to prove that it's sustainable between it getting there and their their decision to act, they'll, they'll allow it to be above. But they're not actually pursuing uh, a policy of bringing the long-term average up that, that the Fed will. 
Well, it sounds like good news for borrowers if, if rates are going to be lower. Um, Lewis, first of all, is the market taking it that way? And clearly this policy was announced a few weeks ago uh, to begin with. Has the market adjusted its inflation expe uh, expectations up and its interest rate expectations down? Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, although, as you say, this uh, was first sort of hinted at in the strategy review, there was definitely a market reaction yesterday when uh, when the new guidance came out. Uh, rates at the short end went down, indicating that uh, investors are seeing that this makes uh, a rate hike a more distant prospect. Inflation expectations uh, have not really changed. Um, I don't think... Uh, Anyone assumes that this makes the ECB more likely to, to generate uh, inflation uh, and they haven't uh, updated their forecast. And I don't, I don't think anybody else has either based on this news. So the other part of um, monetary policy, apart from interest rates, of course, is is bond buying. And in fact, for such a long time, interest rates have been frozen at, at effectively zero and the or, or even lower. And and it's through the, the size of the bond buying that the ECB is trying to control rates. So what guidance did they give about that? Uh, very little yesterday. Um, it, there was no change to uh, their their strategy for, for the path of their asset purchase programs. Um, the big one at the moment uh, and has been for um, 15, 16 months now is the uh, pandemic emergency purchase program. Uh, that's been the, the ECB's main tool to, to respond to the crisis, and it, it uses that to buy around 80 billion a month. Um, although that that's gone up and down. Uh, that's just government bonds, is that right? Um, it's almost all government bonds, uh, but uh, yeah, there's supranational stuff in there as well. Um, yeah, all public sector stuff. Um, it also the the asset purchase program uh, is still is still up and running. Um, but is only uh, around 20 billion a month at the moment. Um, the, the pandemic emergency purchase program is set to expire in March 2022. Uh, and what people generally expect to happen is that the ECB will allow it to expire, but they'll just transfer uh, the, the purchases, the purchasing power over to the asset purchase program. So it will once again become the main, uh, the main vehicle uh, that the ECB uses. Um, and uh, so there should be relatively little change to the ECB's actual firepower come March 2022, but uh, it'll be done under a different non-crisis-based label. And the third part of ECB monetary policy is what they call longer-term refinancing operations, isn't it? Where they actually lend directly to banks. And the ECB seemed to have some language that was encouraging people to think that it would do more of that. Is that right, Lewis? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it's been uh, it's been a very uh, a very well taken up product. Uh, the the latest round of LTRO banks have uh, uh, have benefited from extremely cheap funding, and uh, the ECB seems to be a big fan of of the tool. And we probably will see more of it. Yeah, I think while we can say that coronavirus infections obviously drove all of this uh, these emergency measures in the first place are rising. The difference is, of course, that we now have vaccines. And yet the ECB still seems to be in crisis mode and has now pledged to be in crisis mode for quite some time. 
Was this policy unanimously agreed among the governing council? No, it wasn't. And well, I think it's worth noting that um, in the context of the vaccines, this was, I believe, the first time that um, Lagarde has specifically mentioned the Delta variant as a threat. So while uh, we are, as you say, the vaccine rollout is helping and economies are reopening, the ECB still uh, still does um, conceive of uh, coronavirus as, as a fairly serious threat. However, as you as you look to it, isn't unanimous uh, and you know, going back to what we were saying about the interest rate policy um, at the start, that really is quite a dovish move. Uh, it's, it's pushed out the possibility of higher rates uh, quite substantially, and um, that will not be popular with uh, with the more hawkish members of, of the council. Uh, and as Lagarde admitted during the, the press conference, it wasn't unanimous. She said there was a, an overwhelming majority, which uh, reading between the lines essentially means Germany, Austria, maybe one or two others uh, wanted to see a more hawkish policy, but uh, she's planted her flag uh, that she's not going to accept that. So turning our attention to bond markets, who benefits from this? Presumably this is good for public sector borrowers who have had to bur- well, sorry, have had to bear the burden of increased borrowing as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. The the, the public sector uh, is the main beneficiary of the ECB's purchase programs and uh, with everything that ECB buys, essentially uh, they absorb the full net supply or an amount equivalent to the full new supply uh, uh, of, uh, of the whole sector. So investors don't have to increase their exposure at all, uh, even with this uh, huge increase in supply. Um, there is a big question about how long that state of affairs will last. Uh, if the pandemic emergency program purchase program is rolled off in March 2022, uh, then um, if the ECB's power, purchasing power is diminished, then you know maybe maybe that will not be true. But uh, it's it's worth remembering that next year we shouldn't have as much borrowing as we've had for the last couple of years. Probably still more than we had before the pandemic, but uh, government deficits are coming down. Spain's budget deficit this year is uh, I think 11 percent, and it's forecast to be down to 5% next year. And uh, that is roughly representative of, uh, of what we're seeing uh, across the Eurozone. So the ECB can diminish the purchasing power of its programs, but still absorb the full net supply of the market if it uh, calibrates it correctly. Doesn't it seem like all of, quite a big confidence trick that you can essentially have the central bank buy all the net debt issued by all the governments? Um, for, you know, what seems like it might be years on end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, I guess a lot of monetary policy is uh, is confidence tricks at the end of the day. Um, and, it's, and it's worth remembering, you know, even it's what really matters is people's perception of the support. When they announced the pandemic emergency purchase program, the rally happened, right? Uh, yields went down, people started buying even before excuse me, even before the ECB was actually doing anything. But doesn't it mean that there's, it's going to be even more important to have some sort of fiscal pact and, and control on, on the degree to which governments borrow? And, you know, there was some relaxation of that, wasn't there, during the pandemic. But will Europe have to sort of rein in government borrowing again? 
This is an interesting question. Um, there is the, the stability and growth pact, which is supposed to keep uh, budget deficits to um, 3%, and uh, there's a couple of other technical features of it. Uh, as you say, that that's on a break uh, for the crisis. Um, the European Commission has said that they want to bring it back in for 2023. Uh, however, um, the, the big focus from European policymakers is on uh, spending money uh, essentially generating growth via via government spending and involvement in the market so it's very unlikely that they're going to um that they're going to uh call for very serious restrictions on on sovereign spending if only because uh, the fact is monetary policy has proved extremely ineffective at generating any inflation so uh the the hope is that fiscal policy will do the heavy lifting and i want to talk about other types of borrower too in the bond market um, in particular, corporate bond issuers. Uh, we've reported recently that triple B rated borrowers, of which there are a vast number, are finding that yields have been too tight to entice investors into their debt. Um, and at the same time, we've also heard complaints that borrowing is so cheap that companies are being artificially kept alive or propped up um, by the monetary policy of the ECB. Do we think that's fair? And if we do think it's fair, is, it, is that a useful policy to pursue long term? Well, to take this, the second of your points first, I think policymakers pretty much unanimously feel that it's better to keep companies going at the moment than have a shakeout and, and push them to the wall. Some are going to the wall uh, and, you know, particularly in the retail sector, we've seen closures. And, and of course, a lot of small businesses have. But nobody wants to precipitate uh, a, a worse economic crisis with m more companies failing just at the moment. So I think we can expect that policy stance to continue, really. When it comes to whether triple B rated borrowers can attract money in the bond market, this is quite a weird issue to do with uh, the way bond issues work. And the fact that in, when you bring a bond issue to market, you tend to like to have masses of excess demand. So um, and, and this helps to sort of drive momentum in the deal and, and bring the spread in. The reality is triple B rated companies can fund with short, short dated debt. Uh, the, the, the yields in the secondary market prove that. It's just that they wouldn't have a massive blowout deal. Um, but, but it's essentially because investors are, you know, content to hold the debt at these very tight levels. They just don't want to enthusiastically buy a lot more of it. A colleague of ours, Tyler Davis, who's our banking in Europe editor, uh, wrote an opinion piece today, or well, he wrote it yesterday, it was published today, um, saying that the ECB's best policy tool at the moment is communication. He uh, points out the fact that there are a fair few people out there that doubt that the ECB has endless firepower. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's probably fair to say that it's uh, kind of their only tool at this point, or at least their only tool to do something more accommodative. Uh, I don't think anyone thinks that another another drop to rates would magically save anything. If you're absorbing the full net supply of the market, it's arguable that. Uh, increasing purchases is, is not going to do very much. So how would they become more accommodative? Uh, communication is kind of all they have left to, to move in that direction. And it does work a bit. Um, you know, it's the forward guidance did, uh, did move rates at the short end down. Um, 
But I think it's it's worth remembering that communication is not uh, in itself going to going to fix anything. It's not going to get uh, Europe to sustainable two percent inflation. There is no forward guidance in the world that can that can achieve that, uh, and. There's very little more that monetary policy can contribute, so it probably will have to come via fiscal policy. So, a bad day for hawks in the Frankfurt area and indeed across the Eurozone, but undoubtedly a positive one for anyone looking to borrow money in the capital markets. Thanks to John and Lewis for joining me and to Gerald Hayes, our producer, for editing this podcast. Don't forget to leave a glowing five-star review either if you are so inclined. It will help us to reach other listeners who may be craving a weekly podcast dedicated to the capital markets. We'll be back with more stories from the capital markets next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.